wonderful. Do keep that Bible reading open. Um, can I just add my welcome and happy Easter from me as well, from Dan McGowan, um, to adding it to that of Steve's. Um, I was very excited to see the model of Jerusalem as I came in the door this morning. It's so great and such a great reminder um, of the Easter story. So many thanks to those who worked hard on that. Now, did you notice that last verse that Ian just read out? It was rather odd, isn't it? Verse 8, this is the way that Mark Gospel ends. Uh, That next bit was added later. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. End of the book. What an odd end. We might call it an anticlimax. Um, which is like unwrapping a huge present on your birthday and finding out it's a bag of potatoes. But verse 8 is what I want us to take a careful look at this morning um, because when it comes to Jesus being raised from the dead, we should perhaps react a little bit more like these women, can you believe? You see, Jesus' resurrection changes everything forever. There'd be no churches. We wouldn't be here this morning. Steve and I wouldn't be vicars because we would have no good news to preach because Jesus' resurrection gives an answer to humanity's biggest question, our biggest problem, sin and its consequence, death. It means, Easter means that life has purpose an eternity with a perfect and loving Father. Well, back to these women in verse 8. They tremble, don't they? They experience bewilderment and fear because Easter is awesome. Easter is awesome. And I'm not using that word in a way that young people use it. You know, this cheeseburger is awesome. Or the way the Lego movie says, everything is awesome. I mean, Easter should fill us with awe. Awe being a moment when we suddenly feel very, very small, very insignificant, as we experience something huge and breathtaking, which fills us with speechlessness, wonder, reverence. Something like the world-changing news of Easter. So we're going to focus on these women and learn why they react as they do. They've been following Jesus for a long time, caring for his needs, witnessing Jesus do amazing things, behaving like God himself, healing the sick, calming the storm, raising the dead. The sort of things that make the jaw drop. Jesus was awesome. The Bible had always promised that God would send his promised rescuing king, saving the people. And Jesus was showing that he's the one. But strangely, some were rejecting him, especially the religious leaders. They saw the miracles, they believed the miracles, but they didn't want Jesus as their king. They didn't like his kingship. They didn't want to follow him because Jesus challenged to do that. He asked people to be the the people that God had designed them to be, to stop serving themselves, to be obedient to God's word 
and put Jesus first in their lives. They didn't want to do that. And we understand it, don't we? Because we struggle with that as well. Even when we know that Jesus is awesome, we struggle to put him first. So these religious leaders, they put him on trial. They spat at him. Can you believe it? They beat him. They put Jesus on the cross. And for these women and the other disciples, all their hopes and dreams had vanished. All their expectations had gone. They thought Jesus was going to come and be king forever in Jerusalem. But now that's all over. He's on a cross. He is dead. So rather than a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, they've got a sack of spuds. And in Mark's account, just before that reading that we had today, we read that the women watched Jesus die. And they had They'd never left Jesus, like the disciples had. And then they saw one of the religious leaders, Joseph of Arimathea, had bravely gone to Pilate, asked for Jesus' body, and put it in his family tomb. He must have believed in Jesus as well, because his actions would have destroyed his reputation. And as happened with expensive tombs, a huge stone was rolled over the entrance Jesus was definitely dead. Some people say that he didn't die. But all the evidence is there. And that's why, verse 1, the women buy spices. The plan is to follow the customs, anoint Jesus' body, make it smell beautiful, and show their love and service. So verse 2, they risk the trouble with the Romans, bravely going to the tomb early in the morning, And verse 3, on the way, they say, well, who's going to move the stone? Who's going to move the stone? It's huge. But then the biggest, most confusing surprise. It's a surprise like if you turned up to a friend's birthday party and there was no one there. The stone had already been rolled away. In fact, the word that the Bible uses here means it was thrown to one side. Some power had chucked it over, out of the way. And of course, verse 5, they go into the tomb, very confused. And as they do, they step into the awesome. Because there is a young man, shining white, sitting there. And we know that's an angel. We read it in the other Bible accounts as well. He's a messenger from the Lord. And no wonder, verse 5, the women are alarmed. Though again, that word is a bit small. It actually means they were full of fear. They were wonder. They were astonished. And they were distressed. When an angel appeared to Mary, do you remember in Luke chapter 1? She was petrified. And the shepherds, the angels appeared to them too, didn't they, in the field? And they were terrified, we read. Easter is awesome. God is at work. And the angel announced in verse 6, you're looking for Jesus. Yes, of Nazareth. Yes, him, the one in the phone book. He was the one who was crucified. Yes, he's dead. But he is not here in the tomb. He is alive. He's alive. Easter is awesome. 
See the place where they laid him. And then some instructions in verse 7. Go and tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you'll see him, just as he told you. It's an amazing message. Because it's a message of forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's a message of the cross. Do you remember what the disciples did when Jesus was arrested? Can anyone help me? What did the disciples do, Nathaniel? The the soldier spat on him, absolutely. Well done. But what did his friends do? Were they really, did they stay close to Jesus and have a happy time with him? What did they do? Someone help me out. They ran away. They ran away. Thank you. They run away. They abandoned Jesus. They hid. And like the women, all their hopes and expectations were over. They probably thought they were next on the Romans' hit list. So they hide. But now they discover that Jesus is alive. And rather than punish them, Jesus wants to see them. Despite them rejecting Jesus, Jesus says, No, come and see me in Galilee. There's forgiveness. And did you notice how Peter is singled out in verse 7? The disciples and Peter. Why might that be? Why might he especially mention Peter? Young people, do you know? What did Peter do when Jesus was arrested? Reuben. Perfect. He denied that he was one of Jesus' disciples, not once, not twice, but three times. Thank you, Reuben. Three times. He must have felt awful. He of all people would expect Jesus to be dismayed, even angry with him. Yet Peter is told, Jesus is going to meet you, Peter. He treats them as they don't deserve, doesn't he? There's forgiveness at the cross. And it's the same for us. We know that we've rejected God. We've treated him shamefully. We deserve to be shut out from God's world forever. But the cross teaches us that Jesus doesn't want that. God doesn't want it. He's created us for friendship with him. He loves us so much. So he went to extraordinary lengths, awesome lengths, to bring us back to him. He sent Jesus, his own son, to die on the cross for you and for me. And as he died, we know the sky went dark. We see it in the previous chapter. In the middle of the day, at the hottest time, it went totally dark. And we know in the Bible that means God is judging. He's angry. And the surprise is he's angry at his own son. He's abandoning his son because his son is carrying our sin. He can't look on the son. Jesus is paying and dying in our place. There is forgiveness at the cross. But all of that would be meaningless, wouldn't it? if Jesus had stayed dead. As I said earlier, we would have never have heard of Jesus had it not been for his resurrection. Easter is awesome. And the facts speak for themselves. The evidence, the proof is overwhelming. So do look at them if you're in any doubt. Perhaps you can join us after Easter for Christianity Explored when we look at all these things. Uh, Don't go away without exploring and asking. Well, that's the first part. Easter was about forgiveness. Uh, The other part of the angel's message is it's all about the future. Jesus was going ahead of them into Galilee. There they will see him. 
They will see him. They will see Jesus. And if we trust in Jesus, that's our future. It's secure. A forever life with God. Our sins removed, we can join him for that heavenly banquet. And the best and most glorious party ever. Who likes parties? Well, you're all invited to the best one that's ever happened. And it's a shame that a third or two-thirds of you didn't like parties. But <laughs> this one would be absolutely out of this world. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Do you remember? That's in Luke's gospel. Do you remember what he said? Today you will be with me in heaven, in paradise. That's right. He was a thief, but he trusted in Jesus and he was going to be with him forever. But that's not just our heavenly future. It's about our future today. Verse 7, Jesus is going ahead of them to Galilee. Galilee was where everything started. And this is like a fresh start. And they will see, they will really see Jesus. Spiritual blindness is a theme in Mark's gospel. And when we can't see the truth of Jesus, we are blind. But the disciples will see Jesus. He will, he will show them how wonderful he is. He will lead them. He will lead them, he says in verse 7. And that's what he promises us. He will lead us. He will spend time with us. He will help us to see. He's alive today. He's here today. And he gathers, he walks with us. He talks with us. He teaches us. He leads us. All because Easter is awesome. And that brings me to my final F. The last part of the angel's message was about following. Go and tell the disciples. And that's where the women hesitated, isn't it? So fearful were they, still trying to process it. They said nothing to anyone. But as Jesus' followers, they were supposed to go and tell. Easter is awesome. It's an awesome message. I was thinking of telling the people washing the cars on my road just now, behind the garage. Hey, folks, Jesus is awesome. Come and find out more. He's alive. But the women won't go and tell. They won't go and tell until they fully grasp what's going on. Later they will. They'll tell the disciples. The disciples come running to the tomb. But it's the most important news ever. We will want to do that, won't we? We will want to live for King Jesus because he is alive. And we'll want to show King Jesus that he's alive by living uh, his life. Showing he's magnificent. There is forgiveness. There is a future. And in the previous chapter, Mark compares Joseph of Arimathea with these women. That's why he's put that there. Despite the danger it will put him in, in verse 43, despite the rejection his fellow religious leaders will put him through, Joseph boldly goes to Pilate. He nails his colours to the mast, which means he stands for Jesus. He stands with Jesus publicly. He understands that Easter is awesome. And yes, we can be a bit rubbish at this, can't we? Rubbish at following Jesus. We mess up. We let God down. I may have done it this morning. But this Easter, there's a message of grace for us. It's okay. There is forgiveness. He loves you. 
He still wants to walk with you and lead you. Easter teaches us he's on our side as Christians. That's a great message. But maybe you're here and you do not yet follow Jesus. Well, why is that? The risen Jesus calls you. He beckons you to come and follow him. And you can't just agree that Jesus happened. You need to do something about it. To follow. The cross and resurrection is our only salvation, our only hope. Last year, a lot of us were rightly keen to get our COVID jab in order to be safe from the coronavirus, which can be deadly. But sin is eternally deadly. If we don't treat it, we will be separated from God and all his gifts forever. There's only one way to be safe from sin, and that is God's forgiveness. So we have to take Jesus' hand, trust in him, trust in his death. And the weird thing is, it's so easy to do. But we don't like simple and easy. When it comes to patching up our relationship with God, we like complicated. We think we should go through all sorts of hoops and barriers and so on to prove that we know him and and want to be with him. But it's not like that. It's simple. We just say, I'm sorry. Thank you. And please. I'm sorry I have ignored the rule of our Lord Jesus the King. Thank you for sending him into the world to pay the punishment for my sin. Please, pay for my sin and wash me clean and come and live in me and be my ruler. It's interesting, isn't it? It's the biggest decision you'll ever make, but it's made in such a childlike way, a beautiful way. I'm sorry. Thank you. And please. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that prayer, actually. And if you want to pray it with me, do echo it in your heart. And if you've already done that before, thank him that he's with you today because Jesus is alive. Let's bow our heads. Living God, I'm sorry. I have ignored the Lord Jesus, the King. Thank you for sending him into the world to pay the punishment for my sin. Please take away my sin. Forgive me. And please move in and rule my life now as a new-born Christian believer. And I pray it in the awesome name of the risen Jesus. Amen.